This is episode number 484 with New York Times best-selling author Rob Bell. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. We have one of my favorite human beings on the show today. His name is Rob Bell, and he is a New York Times bestselling author, one of the greatest speakers I've ever seen in my life, and a former pastor. And he was the founder of Mars Hill Bible Church located in Granville, Michigan, which he pastored until about 2012. And under his leadership, it was one of the fastest growing churches in all of America. And he was also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Love Wins and along with about a dozen other books that are all incredible. And in 2011, Time Magazine named Rob on the list of the top 100 most influential people in the world. He went on a tour with Oprah for a whole summer. This guy is incredible. He's got a new book out called What is the Bible? And here's what's interesting about this. I love how Rob tells stories and relates stories, whether some people think are uh, fictional or non-fictional and how he relates it to modern day. And in this interview, we talk about how people are reading the Bible wrong, uh, what the Bible actually is, what the antidote to despair is, why doubting something is not actually the problem, why truth has paradox built into every aspect of it, what the best way to serve others actually is, and so many more things that we cover on religion and spirituality and creating magic in the world. If you want to be inspired, then keep listening because Rob Bell is one of those speakers and interviews that I just love the most. And uh, he's a dear friend of mine, so I think you're going to really love this one. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to the iTunes review of the week. And this is by Greg Cheek, who says, amazing podcast. Lewis backs up all these amazing podcasts with massive action to his audience. I start every day at the gym listening to his podcast to get me going. I watch Lewis and his guests at Mel Robbins spend hours with us all at at Success Live in Dallas answering questions about podcasts and entrepreneurship in general. And transitioning to my speaking business as a new author and thus this podcast is a must. I recommend it for everyone seeking greatness. So Greg Cheek, thank you so much for being the iTunes review of the week. All right, guys, if you haven't left a review yet and you want a chance to be a review of the week, then go to iTunes.com slash greatness and leave a review right now. Without further ado, I've got Rob in the greatness studio. So let me introduce you to the one and only Rob Bell. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right, cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes, it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a busy day and we just stocked our office fridge with international delight cold foam creamer and it never misses the team's favorite flavor so far is the caramel macchiato you just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee and voila you've got an incredible cold foam coffee no frothing fancy machines or mess required international delight cold foam creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom the best part it works on both hot and iced coffee it comes in three foaming delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We have one of my dear friends in the house, Rob Bell. Good to see you, man. It's so good to How see you. How you doing? It's so good to be with you again. I'm so pumped. One, because the Cavs are winning right now. Go Cavs. Go LeBron. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, like during NFL season, when you're over at our house on the yes. couch for a whole Sunday, yep. you need to come this week, you need to start coming, coming. over for playoffs. I'm coming. I got this new pasta I'm making with lentils oh, I think you'll love. Your food is amazing. You've been going <laughs> vegan, like trying different things. I love it. Oh, we're trying all the, kinds of the things. Pesto, the almond pesto I think you made one time. I was thinking about the almond pesto for tonight. <sighs> oh, I might have to come by. Yeah. And especially when the uh, Cavaliers with the greatest basketball player ever to play the game of basketball, <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> true. Because what is we, this? Six times has been in the end of, uh, the uh, In a row? In six times in, in the row, finals? the finals? Right. Is this seven or is this six? Uh, this will be seven. If he goes to the finals. Yes. When he goes to the finals. Exactly. Against the Golden State Exactly. Warriors. You okay. and I are so confident about this. <laughs> <laughs> Unless something happens where they get injured, but knock on wood, they yeah. don't. Um, I'm super pumped. The last time you were on was two years ago, we found out, almost, right? Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. You've been on three times, I believe. It's really two, but we did a two-parter. Make sure you guys go watch and listen to the, the previous one. But um, gosh, I, I'm surprised you haven't been on back since then. Because our conversation, maybe we just have these conversations when we're hanging out so much. We so have I these conversations like, when we're hanging out. So to record it would be like, well, eh, never Yeah, mind. right, exactly. You've got a new <laughs> book out called What is the Bible? How an Ancient Library of Poems, Letters, and Stories Can Transform the Way You Think about and Feel About Everything. And I'm pumped that you came out with this book. Here it is in the video if you guys are watching online. I'm pumped you came out with this book because I've had many conversations with you about the Bible. Um and religion and spirituality and all these yeah. things because it's so confusing. Yeah. So there's so many different points of views, opinions, judgments right. out there that part of me sometimes just like screw the Bible, you know, thought Absolutely. process. It's just kind of sure. like screw this because, uh, you know, so it's very contradictory in the things it says. One person says something different than someone else. Someone said yeah. that God said something and how do we know that's the truth? And it's goes all around and around. And I love there's a part here at the end 
um, where it says, don't drag God into it. Someone else wrote this, and that's how someone understood that event. Yes. It may, it's, it's not what God said to the person. It's what yeah. they think they felt or heard or thought about it, right? Yeah, right, right. And then they wrote down their experience. Yeah, and I'd begin, I'd begin by saying, you're right. The Bible has caused so much damage. In many ways, it's often been an agent of dragging everything backwards, mm. and it hasn't participated in the ongoing evolution of humanity. It's been a voice for primitive, outdated, violent, barbaric forces. I mean, even in our culture right now. Um, so I'm aware that in 2017, to put out a book with the word Bible in it, mm-hmm. um, for many people, just the word is like, seriously, come on. <laughs> right. Um, and actually, I think part of my work has been, to me, that's an injustice. Um, and part of it is showing people what you were told about, you were told wrong. And most people aren't reading it well. Mm. From the the hardcore right-wing religious to the hardcore against the Bible, most of them are reading it as fundamentalists and missing what's really going on here. They're reading it as literal is what you mean. They're they're almost like reading it and going, you either have to believe it literally is true or you have to deny that it literally happened that way. And both are a misunderstanding. The biologist, who's like all you faith people are idiots, and the hardcore conservative fundamentalist who's like, well, you're going to burn in hell, mm-hmm. are all actually reading this book differently. So I, I, what you were saying, I think, is so helpful. The Bible was written by real people in real places at real times. So you start there. People wrote stuff down. That's it. And what's really interesting, like, the Bible was written on three different continents over 1,500 years by, like, 40 different authors. 1,500 years. Yeah, yeah. So this is wide span of time. And a lot of things that are in the Bible were oral traditions. They were stories you told around the campfire to make sense of things. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? How do you forgive? What if you've suffered abuse? What if your nation, what if your family have been the victims of injustice and you're owned by bitterness? And you know if I don't forgive, I'm going to be consumed with this hatred. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I mean, these are the questions humans have been asking for thousands of years. Or if you think about it in terms of like uh, politics or how we organize ourselves, the Bible is written by a small group of people who had been conquered, a minority group that had been conquered by one global military superpower after another. So the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Seleucids, by the time of Jesus, it's the Romans. So these people have been on the receiving end of an untold amount of violence. Mm. So... They're very suspicious of military power, and they're very suspicious of people who use their wealth to accumulate chariots, which were like the F-14s of the ancient right, right. So if you're an American... The Rolls Royce. Yes. Yeah. If you're an American, and you are a citizen of the most dominant global military superpower that humanity has ever produced, no wonder you would miss some of the central themes of this book, mm-hmm. because it's the original Rage Against the Machine. It's the original Bernie Sanders. Because this book is essentially from a small group of people saying, when you abuse your power, when there's a growing gap between rich and poor, um, there's even a line in the Psalm, some trust in chariots, but we trust in God. But in the Psalm, we in the modern world, we're the ones with the chariots. Do you know what I mean? Mm, sure. So I would, th- I would bet for a lot of your listeners and viewers, the reason why the Bible was so misread is they grew up in a system that had to spiritualize this. 
It had to make it about what happens when you die. Because if you start reading the book as it actually came to us, these ancient letters and poems and stories, it's going to raise really provocative questions about you and the system that you're in. Mm -hmm. And people don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh Do you think it's it's important for everyone to study the Bible, even if they're not? Well, actually, and like uh, Reed College, I think it is in Oregon, a, a very progressive college, they have this brilliant thing in their student manual about how you should read the Bible because of its power as a cultural artifact beyond anything else. So, right. Whether you believe in it as a religion yeah, yeah. or not. So or here's or... an example. I would argue that, that one of the strengths of your work is that what Lewis Howes does is you charge into people's lives who have basically fallen prey to despair. <laughs> And despair yes. is a spiritual condition, which is tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. Mm-hmm. Despair is a spiritual disease because it is what happens when you come to believe that all that's happening from here on out is a repeat of this. Um, and so the antidote to despair is a disruption where, oh, wait, tomorrow's not going to be a repeat of today. Um, but in the ancient world, they had a, in the ancient Near East, they had a cyclical view of history, which is everything that's happened has happened before and will happen again. So this happened to your dad. Happened to your dad's dad, happened to your mom, happened to your aunt. It's now happening to you. You'll pass it on to your kids. Everybody mm. is essentially on the wheel. Um, and so whatever's happened, just wait because it'll come back around again. Yeah. So the Bible... That's uh, not inspiring. <laughs> exactly. So so uh, you think about, let's say, Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 12, a man named Abraham leaves his father's household. Well, the reason why that passage is so fascinating is this is the first time you have somebody leaving the wheel. Like when it says uh, Abraham left. Yeah. Um, Define if you're di- like in a hotel and you see a Bible in the little end table thing and you read it and you were just to read and Abraham left, you'd be like, see, most boring book ever, in addition to the fact that it's long. Yeah. But if you got just a tiny bit of context, you'd realize, oh, Abraham leaving was a brand new way of thinking about reality. Um, that you could create a new tomorrow. A tomorrow that hadn't existed before, that you could not be enslaved to despair. So I would just argue that like the work that you are doing, there are so many ideas that are present in our culture that if you were just to ask, where did that idea come from? It's amazing how many ideas come back to the Bible. So at one level, there's like a religious, you should read the Bible because you're awful and maybe you'd get slightly better. I'm not interested in that, but I am interested in why have these stories endured for so long? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because a lot of the times it's they're progressive, radical ideas about what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't find that interesting? But you're saying that it doesn't mean we have to take the literal word of everything that's said there. We should take it and interpret it in a way that works for us is what I'm Well, yeah, and one of the things in the book I talk about is reading it literally, which huh. is different than literally. So literally would be, is it a poem? Then you read it like a poem. Mm. And some agony some betrayal, some struggle. Uh, If you talk about it literally, literal language won't do it justice. So so my wife, Kristen, we're about to celebrate 23 years of marriage. Um, If you were to say to me, why did I fall in love with my wife? And I said, well, she was 5'7", she drove a Honda, and she's from Arizona. That's true. I mean, those are literal facts, but you'd be like, that is one weird, (laughs) you know what I mean? That is one weird relationship. But if I said to you, I don't know, when we got together, it was like I'd found my other half. 
well, you mean like I was limping up till then or like, no, but you, I shifted into a completely different kind of language because that's the kind of language you use. It's like a poem. Sometimes you need a poem. Some things are so beautiful that a science textbook with technical language would actually ruin it. But then in other situations, I need the facts. I go to get my car fixed. I don't need the guy to say, well, your carburetor is just in a bad mood. You know what I mean? Like I need, <laughs> yeah. it's the X945. We can get it here by tomorrow. Yes. So one of the main problems is modern people became so obsessed with technical, precise language. Um, exactly how tall, exactly how much does it weigh, exactly um, how much RAM does it possess. Like mm-hmm. that we're not as good at talking in other forms of language. And when you read this book, you're reading history mis- mixed with poetry. You're reading poetry mixed with history. You're reading rants. You're reading letters. It's people's pain. Yes. Frustrations. Yeah, yeah. There's their a, opinions on what should absolutely. or shouldn't happen even based the fact, on their own situation. Even the fact that like in the life of Jesus, there's four gospels. Um, there's four gospels that, that differ on main points. Um, and so some people would read that literally and go, see, it all disagrees or contradicts. It's four authors. They're writing with a particular agenda. Um, Luke wants you to know that any spirituality that ignores the poor isn't going to cut it. And the Gospel of Mark, he has huge warnings about the corrosive effects of empire. What happens when the people in government with their hands on the wheel are completely insane. Mm. And what happens when they tell so many, once again, we're just talking about the ancient world. (laughs) What happens when the people of power, when you think about the gospel of Mark, it's opening line is it borrows a line from Roman military propaganda Mm. because 2000 years ago, what people were struggling with is this empire that's ruling me. They tell all these truths and half truths and lies because it throws the masses off. Mm. And if you can just keep distracting with half-truths, then people don't know what to believe, and you can pull off all kinds of things. You're talking about history, right? <laughs> yeah, so, sure. See, this is why when you talk about why read the Bible, because when you read this, you're like, oh, wait. this What we are talking about now is what people have been talking about for thousands of years. Crazy. And one of the problems with the modern world is why bother with any of that stuff from we, you know, we have now, and we have all these amazing tools. Yes, and there's thousands of years of wisdom mm-hmm. that we can draw upon. How do you deal with new technology? What does it mean to be human? Um, and that's what that's what makes it interesting mm-hmm. to me. Well, fascinating. And you were I, uh, you had a church for many years in Michigan. It was one of the largest churches, fastest growing churches in the country. <laughs> correct. In another life, yes. This is like ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. Crazy. And you decided to leave the church, right? Or leave that. You kind yeah. of built it up and you realized it was time to move on. You got to keep going. Else. Yeah. You have to keep going. Progress. I'm curious, um, is spirituality different for people who are religious versus people who are not religious? What a great from question. From your experience of being yeah, in the right, church right, to right. being out of the church. And- well, you think about the word religion, it comes from the word ligament, which holds things together. So the idea, huh. ideally, was that religion would hold help hold you together and it will remind you of the held togetherness of everything Mm. so you go and you light a candle and you direct your best energies intentions towards your towards your friend who's going through chemo Um, it connects you to your friend it helps you deal with your own anxiety and worry about your friend's health 
Um, and if you do that, light that candle once a week for a couple of weeks in a row, now you have a routine. Yeah. So we're not against that. So a lot of times when people are against religion, am I against institutions that oppress people and take their money for no good cause? You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but human institutions, religious, government, business, I could, um, religious institutions have no corner on the market on failing people compared to all the other ways, the institutions and culture. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, to me, the really interesting thing that's happening now is people are realizing there is something, despite all the damage, especially religious institutions have done, there's some sense that we're a part of something, that we're connected, that life is a gift, that there are these dimensions of existence that you can't access with your five senses. Yeah. Um, you and I get together and we start talking and you could say like spirit is present. Something's flowing. We're, we're bonded in ways that go beyond. We just like talking about sports. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that is because this, you can throw, it's like a lot of people are rescuing babies from bathwater. Like we were handed these religious systems that didn't work for us. Mm-hmm. And so people are tossing these systems that didn't work, but realizing, Oh, in that somewhere, was something really powerful and helpful and divine, transcendent, infinite. Yeah. And so I, I would just say that some practice, and some people meditate and yoga and walk and hike, and some people go to communities and services and light candles and do baptisms and... Um, Therapy or whatever. Absolutely. It's all part of receiving this extraordinary gift of life and doing something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you attend church? What are we doing right now? You can claim victory in sports, on the job site, even on your taxes by switching to H&R Block. Block offers many ways to file to fit your schedule. A 100% accurate return on your max refund or your money back. Plus, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. Switch today and feel like a tax champion. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. Disclaimer, all tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Isn't it obnoxious when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print or bills that seem to go up for no dang reason? Like when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying even more than you would have elsewhere? At Metro by T-Mobile, there's nada yada yada. That means no contracts, no price hikes, no surprises. They don't even want me to speed through the legal, so here it is. 
When they say no price hikes when you join, they mean your price will never increase for talk, text, and smartphone data plans. Their only exclusions are for limited time promos, per use charges, and third party services. I guess that really is nada yada yada. At Metro by T Mobile, nada yada yada. <laughs> Do you go to a structure that is. You know, I usually on service. Sunday mornings. On Sunday mornings, I go surfing, and then I usually yeah. record a sermon for my podcast. There you go. And then my family and I have a big meal. Amazing. That's what so I do. So it's your version, your own version. Yeah, and actually yeah. my work, my work, I like to go places. I don't really do any work in churches or formal religious settings now. Mm. I like, my job is to go into places where you church. would never think about spirituality or even religion and talk to people about how the whole thing is a temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. To talk to people about the depth the world of life. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not trying to build a temple and get people into it. And I would actually argue that was at the center of Jesus' message. Was he, he even, there was a temple in his day, and he was like, that thing's coming down. Hmm. Um, I would argue He was that, out with the people, right? I would argue that this, the center of his message was the announcement that the whole thing is a temple. Work, business, raising a family, art, caring for the environment, um, all of this, standing up for the rights of refugees and immigrants, all of this is holy, sacred work. You have an interesting idea about how to give people a product that would serve them well, and you go after that? What? what of course, that's part of what it means to be a spiritual person. Mm. Yeah, the whole thing's a temple. Mm. <laughs> how much did you study the Bible? Well, you reading it I mean, a like lot? I went, to, like... like I went to seminary, mm-hmm. so I did like a master's degree where you yeah. studied like form and textual criticism, and I studied Greek and Hebrew. I did all that stuff for wow. a number of years, wow. um, and then I got a job in a church. This would have been my early twenties, and I started giving sermons because the sermon for me, I realized I'm here to reclaim the sermon as the art form that it is. That the sermon got hijacked along the way. Mm. It got hijacked by people who are trying to raise, get, build bigger buildings. It's like an edifice complex. You know what I mean? Like, let's just, and uh, for some people, the, the sermon got hijacked by, we're just going to keep telling you what you're supposed to believe mm. over and over again, then we'll feel right and everybody else is wrong. But to me, the sermon was like this subversive guerrilla theater art form. You think about Martin Luther King, uh, I have a dream. That was a sermon, but it was like an event. Mm. Nobody heard that and they were like, I don't know. He was better last week. (laughs) No way. That was like a moment and you were caught up in it and you either, you got it or you didn't or it was dangerous and beautiful and counterintuitive and hopeful and revolutionary. And so that's what I set out to do. And in the tradition I came from, you'd give a sermon from the Bible. So I started reading the Bible in light of like, now I got to say something about it publicly. Your opinion on it, right? And then gradually, which is why I started tracing the book, I started realizing oh, people have no idea what's in this book. No one actually reads it. And the people, they don't actually, because if they read it, you would have to change the whole game because it's, uh, it is so subversive and there's a collection of Psalms in the middle of the Bible called Psalms, like prayers. Half of them are laments, which are basically, God, where are you? They're about the absence of God. Or, like on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is like the day God became an atheist. Hmm. There's all of this beautiful atheism in the Bible. Or even the word Israel means struggle. 
So the fundamental story of the Bible is about this tribe called Israel, and their name is Struggle. So every person who's ever been like, why was I abused? Why is this system so corrupt? Mm. Don't tell me this universe is a safe place. Yeah, it's all part of the struggle. Right. You know what I mean? So, so even when I got into it, I was like, people aren't reading this because if they were reading this, they would have such different understandings of the whole thing that doubt is a part of faith. If you don't have doubts, like the pulse of faith, if you don't have the problem, isn't that you're doubting problem is that you don't have any doubts. Um, and that this book time and time again, like turned left on everybody turned right. Mm. And I think probably at some deep, deep personal level, I was like, this is an injustice. This is an injustice. Um, the book that this book has been so misread, right? That for so many people, Christian means Republican, mm. capitalist. Um, that for so many people, spirituality and faith mean the absence of pain, doubt, struggle. Um, that the embrace of science and the joy of new discoveries is somehow seen as being against this. Like I think something within me just began. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it. <laughs> wow. Because a lot of it is yeah. like this blind faith, right? It's like just have faith that this is the way it is. It's and kind of what people are taught. Exactly, and, and which like, is which couldn't be more the opposite of the scriptures. Jesus has asked lots and lots and lots of questions. He answers one of them in all the gospels. Every other question, he responds with a question. How do you read it? How do you interpret it? What do you think about it? It's a great Who do coach. you think I it's am? It's a great coach. Absolutely. Not giving the answer, but... It, having someone discover the answer within themselves. Yes. So I'm like in my <laughs> early 20s. I get hired in a church, and it was a big church. And I, my job is to give these sermons. And so I start reading this book, and I'm like, oh, this whole system is actually almost as perfectly engineered and designed to inoculate people against what this book is actually saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if they start reading this book, it will challenge the very fabric fabric of this entire system. And then I just kept going and took it where it, I followed it where it led me. This is a challenge for being a curious mind myself. And I've interviewed all these fascinating individuals, a lot of different spiritual leaders, meditators, yeah. business leaders. And my beliefs have shifted because everyone has a different opinion and I can look at it and say, huh, that's actually an interesting opinion. Let me yeah. dive into that a little more and yeah. study yeah, yeah. it and see what makes sense. If it resonates with me or if it doesn't, if it works for me or if it doesn't, I just went to India and studied meditation for a couple of weeks yeah. and I didn't get to dive into it as much as I wanted to, but essentially I talked to the, the person who uh, started this meditation training and I was like, so do you believe in God or not? And he's like, do you want the real answer? <laughs> and I was like, yes. He's like, it's not going to be a popular one. And you're going to think it sounds very egotistical. And I'm, you know, paraphrasing it. But he was like, I believe that we all are our own God, essentially. That yeah. the, the, the yeah. wisdom is within us. Yeah. And we can end our suffering when we choose to. We have the choice. Based on obsessive, self-centric thinking, we suffer, we worry, we stress, we have anxiety. We inflict all this agony on ourselves. Well, when we remove, our, and then we say, well, we need if we, you know, if God is the only person that can end our suffering, if we're like praying to something to end it, we can always choose to end it whenever we want. 
when we're aware and we remove those thoughts and think about something else, come from a place of gratitude and a place of, you know, opportunity and control or whatever these other things. And so there's just so many different opinions out yeah, there. Right, right, right. There's, so, there's science, you know, you had an incredible tour where you talked about, you know, a, a particle that oh, turns Oh, yeah, yeah, a, the expanding universe. Or the, the, another thing, and the next thing, we're always creating something new. Yeah. Um, like, what is the truth? <laughs> what is the answer? Well, the first thing is to realize if it's true, then it will, if, you're, if it's true, then it will fundamentally have paradox baked into it. Oh. Give me an so, example. Um, okay, let's say there's some infinite divine source of everything. Mm-hmm. What, however you want to define, because even when people use the word God, that's so loaded. So, so I would what just is say, that? Yeah. Let's say there's some divine source of it all. Mm-hmm. If you could fully know that source, source meaning creation of it all, or just the whole thing flows from, from something, it's sustained by something. Got there's it. something more than just the physical reality we see. Yes. Let's yes. just say, like a really source. basic idea like that. Um, if it was completely knowable, then it wouldn't be infinite. It wouldn't be very big. If your mind could wrap itself around there, that that's not really going to be capable of sustaining hmm. something this interesting. Right. Uh, but if it was unknowable and elsewhere. Then what about all the great art? What about all the moments of love when you're like, there's something infinite mm-hmm. happening between us? Yeah. So source would be both known and unknown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, so it, it, there would be a fundamental ambiguity that would sit side by side with the clarity. Um, I know that when I serve and give beyond myself, something happens that I affirm that I can't quite fully comprehend, but is real. By the way, the Germans had a word for this, Grenzebegriff. The German word Grenzebegriff means that which is real, but beyond analysis. <laughs> so it's that which in your bones, Lewis yeah. Howes is like, when I give and serve and move beyond myself and don't just ask what's good for Lewis Howes, mm-hmm. but what do I have that I could share? I am at that level connecting with something much larger than myself. Yeah. And the the worse off the conditions are, the more it costs. Somehow it pulls something out of me even more, which is transcendent, supernatural, yeah, divine, yeah. miraculous, whatever you want to say. So that is both as real as it gets for you, and yet put that on a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Take a photo of that on your iPad. <laughs> right. So if it is real, if there is some divine source, it's going to pull multiple thing so you can see then the dangers the danger of a of a of a fundamentalism this is like this is how big god is these are the seven steps Mm -hmm. it's like no you haven't left enough room for mystery but the i don't know man we don't we can't know anything we can yeah but but i know this guy lewis house and when he serves Mm -hmm. it makes the world better so we can know that so it would have this both universal and particular would have both this absolute and this ever evolving. Mm. Um, and that is, I would argue the problem is people fall to either side and aren't willing because the modern mind loves the binary. Yeah. Is it this or is it this? Are you a winner or are you a loser? Right. Success or failure. failure. But the problem is in failure is where all this interesting stuff happens. So essentially even to talk about God in a way that might actually not make you crazy, you have to move from this binary thinking to what some would call a non-dual awareness where, where you begin to be able to hold two truths that appear to be opposing at the same time. So I would start, I would start there. 
So what? And now so what do you we have something then? to talk about. Now we have something to talk <laughs> okay. about. Um, like in that Everything is Spiritual tour that you came to? Yes. I mean, because... 13.8 billion years ago, the universe explodes out of infinite compression, uh, an infinitely compressed point of nothingness, sometimes called a singularity. That's what scientists are saying right now, mm-hmm. is that the universe is 13.8 billion years ago, and it came out of a point of infinity, and it's just been expanding ever since. And at first, it was just subatomic particles, and then about three minutes in, it formed atoms. atoms. Those atoms formed molecules. Somewhere around the 13 billion mark, those molecules began to form cells, and you had our inorganic and then organic cellular life. And then sometime in the 13 billion, that's about 9 billion, 13 billion years in, you have the earth with animals, and then you have these sentient upright homo sapiens that can write poems and talk about this stuff like and people are like there's no mystery that just happened mm. so i would uh, my starting point any discussion about god would me to me would simply be we're here and this thing has been expanding and unfolding and if you're going to tell me no it's just molecules it's just synapses it's just cells i would say seriously mm-hmm the most intellectually honest thing to me would be to leave space for something. Let's just start there. Yeah. Then the question becomes, well, would you name that? It's interesting in the Bible, there's lots and lots of different names for God because essentially when you use the word God, you're trying to name ultimate reality. So, Mm. and that's what actually started to happen to me when I was reading, citing the Bible is I was like, wait, there's a bunch of different names for God here. And this person uses this name, and this person talks about mystery. This person talks about revelation, the idea that you there's some things you can know. So that's what happened to me is when you're like, well, how can you know which is which? This is what the writers of the Bible were wrestling with. Wow. You know what I mean? Or how can we know if God is on our side because we're slaves? Is God okay with this arrangement? Is, is the universe okay with this person owning us? So the Exodus story, this big giant rescue of slaves and Moses. That was a story asking the question, is the universe okay with us being owned? And the story was about, no, it's not. God is actually the God of the oppressed. The forces are on the side of the underdog, the immigrant, the refugee, the single mom. Um, So that's always, to me, an abstract talk about God. Isn't that interesting? But I start talking about if there is a God who's, well, definitely that God would be on the side of the refugee. Right. The immigrant. Yeah. The single parent trying to hold it together. Much more interesting. Yeah. What's the beliefs that you've had maybe over the last 20 years that have been shaken up? That you thought like, this is 100% oh, true. Oh, right, right, right. And then, oh, actually, let me lean into this a little bit. And Absolutely. Yeah, right. Actually, no, it's, for me, it's not my belief anymore. What's, is there yeah, anything yeah. that's happened in the last 20 and also 10 yeah. and also five and two years? Absolutely. I can think of one right away. The realization that spiritual was not things that exist in some other realm. And when you die, then you go to some other realm. But the spiritual means soil, food, good business, surfing, sex, music, creativity, um, that caring for the earth is central to a spiritual understanding of life. And that the tradition I came up from spiritual meant kind of six inches off the ground and kind of other world. Like um, you sit on your cushion and you go somewhere, escape from the dirt and sweat of life. And when I began to read this book and was like, wait, 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 spirituality is about 
your engagement with the dirt and sweat and stuff of life. So that was like a huge shift. Wow. Uh, second one, man, the tradition I came up from, who's a Christian, who's not? So-and-so a Christian? Are they thinking about becoming a Christian? Oh, they're not? Oh, so-and-so? Cliff, nice guy, not a Christian. Wow. And when I began to realize lots of people who make a big deal about being Christians are nothing like the Jesus method, message of compassion, grace, courage, nonviolence. And I keep meeting people who would never call themselves a Christian who embody all of the best about what it means to be a human being. Mm. So those labels started to mean next to nothing. And then I kept meeting atheists who, when they talked about the God they don't believe in, I don't believe in that God either. And then they would talk about the upbringing in which they were told about this version of God. And I'd be like, atheism is the only healthy spiritual response (laughs) to that. So I started to realize atheism and atheist and believer started to mean those categories didn't because half the time I'm over here, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Mm. So, uh, those categories just started to mean nothing to me literally to this day mean next to nothing, but you and I, and the, the talks we have and the depth of life and human experience that you and I want to taste and feel and soak in that's now that's something Mm -hmm. that's worth talking about. Absolutely. What would you say is your purpose now? And how has it evolved? I want to help people connect with the depth and joy of life. And I use those two because the moment you talk about joy, people are like, what about cancer? That's why I talk about depth. Is uh, what the modern world does is it cuts you off from the depth of life. Just skim the surface. Just numb the pain. Just skate. Um, and I do that because I come out of this Jesus tradition that believes that there is a fullness to life that you can actually experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what I, I want to talk about, the joy and the depth. And I just keep announcing that the whole thing is a temple. Everything. It's all sacred. It's all holy. You don't have to um, go on Sundays to, to reach man, it. The whole thing's a temple. Yeah. yeah. The meal, the conversation, the waves I will be catching tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all sure. <laughs> my kids. Uh, trying to launch a business, trying to get along with an ex-spouse. Uh, it's, it's all, it all takes place in a temple. Mm. Yeah. All this ground is holy. Hmm. What do you think is missing for most people in order to reach some type of depth and joy? That everything you are working and striving for, you already have. That so often... We're working, sweating, clinging, grasping, striving to feel worthy enough. And the fundamental good news, what's called the gospel, is the announcement that you're loved exactly as you are. You don't have to do anything. You're already a daughter of the divine. You're already a son of the divine. You're already in. Uh, There's this great line in this story of the prodigal son where the father says, you are always with me. And... Everything I have is yours. It's interesting when you talk about, well, what do you think about God? I think in images. I think in lines. I think in pictures. And I think in like dialogue, like you are always with me. Mm. And everything I have is yours. So all of the stuff that we do to feel like we measure up, that we're worth, it's all been taken care of. You're fine. Mm. Now, in response to that, 
Let's make some stuff. Let's do something. Let's go do something. Yeah, yeah. But, but then we're coming from a different place. And we're not doing this to prove something. We're not doing this to earn something. To we're not doing this over to somehow scratch some itch or stroke some part of the heart that desperately has been beaten down and doesn't know. Um, you're okay. In all of your not-togetherness, you're all fine. Mm-hmm. All the ways you've made a mess of it, it's okay. It's okay. All the ways we've screwed it up. Yeah. We're not, it's, it's okay. Do you feel like there's anything in your life where you suffer? Yeah, although I say that in light of how people really suffer. Right, well, um, of course. I mean, you've got a nice home, you've got a great family, yeah, you've right, got right. food. So I've all, seen too in, much of the world you're to in be Hollywood, like, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. I can almost see my house <laughs> exactly, from the place, yeah. by the way. Um, you've got things done well, but we all have yeah, our own inner battles. And, yeah, yeah. And what are yours if you have any? Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the, idea, the inner dialogue that says, push, 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 it's not enough. You're still learning. You're still, uh, you do an interview and later I'm like, oh, what did I answer it that way for? (laughs) And that like, that voice that always wants to be like, see, see, you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You seriously want to play this game? Come on. Who are we kidding? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of, I'm here. How much fun is this? This is a gift. You get to receive it. Uh, there, There is a wonder and awe to existence. And the struggle for me is when you lose that and you feel entitled. You feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's nice. But, you know, the real world. No, the real world is a place where you can have wonder and awe. Um, yeah, that's that's like, that's every day. Mm. That's, so sitting in silence. Uh, the practices that sort of whew, take me back to center. We're here. We're breathing. It's another day. Let's try some things. Yeah. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of just you. For instance, the song you stream over and over again while you're in your 13th hour of gaming at 4 a.m. in the morning with all the lights off trying not to wake up your roommates. Or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are the best to listen to on your way to the gym and back. Or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you, makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you and the ability to choose the plan that you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The carb fear is real these days, but why does it feel like the carb-heavy foods are what we tend to love the most? After years of wishing there was a better go-to option when the carb craving hits, I've finally discovered Hero Bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious bready favorites free of consequences or compromises. Now get this, Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and is high in fiber. They've got an option for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, tortillas, and buns. So you can 
can still enjoy that soft, fluffy experience you love when having a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or delicious cheeseburger. Hero Bread also does small batch drops each month of indulgent favorites like the 2-gram Net Carb Hero Croissant or the 1-gram Net Carb Hero Cheddar Biscuit. Now, Hero Bread looks, feels, and tastes just like any other bread you'd get at the grocery store, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Their white sliced bread is so good, and every time I make a sandwich with it, I can't believe something that tastes this good is actually adding extra protein to my meal. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code greatness at checkout. That's greatness at H-E-R-O dot C-O. You've been on a journey over the last, I think, like four to six months where you've been surfing almost every day, is that right? <laughs> Quite a bit, yeah. Pretty much like four or five days a week or Yeah, what? I probably started six years ago surfing a ton. Because it, and at first it was like, oh, this, you know, if you have some time, what a nice hobby. What a lovely sport. And I know that the surfers who listen to you will know what I'm talking about. And then it turns into something, something similar to oxygen where it's it's like practice. And I was actually I was actually doing this event with a legendary Buddhist teacher and I was talking about surfing and then I was like, but I probably shouldn't say anymore cuz I'll just start gushing and it doesn't sound right and he's like, "Oh, you mean moving meditation." <laughs> I was like, "You have a word for this?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a moving meditation. What uh-huh. you're describing is a meditation, but if I try to sit still on a couch or a cushion, it's not going to go well." Yeah. But I move and like uh not yesterday morning, morning before last this pod of dolphins is in the water in a, in the lineup and they're coming in among us and they're jumping all the way out of the water like this. Wow. And they're coming like me to you. So you almost like curl your toes in a touch just cause they're like playing and the dolphin isn't like, I'm a dolphin. It's just being a dolphin. <laughs> and it just, every time it does something to you, oh there's my something gosh. that happens. Yeah. Where was this? Right between. Santa Monica or what? No. Uh, yeah. North Venice. South really? Santa Monica, right in that Dolphins stretch. Dolphins are going right there. Oh, yeah. The other day at um, Topanga, there was a nice big whale went through. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's a little scary. A whale is another category of experience. It, that never, you're never like, oh, a whale. And I've now seen whales for a number of years and close. One time, Kristen and I were stand-up paddling and a whale went under her, surfaced between us, and then went under me. That's terrifying. Yeah. But it's inspiring like a, and crazy. Well, it's interesting. Time. It is like a terror that is benign it's not going to hurt you but it's also like the size of your house oh my god it's what strikes me about this is we have good things friendly things nice things in our lives Mm -hmm. that we're used to and then we have things that are terrifying to us but rarely are those two things the same experience it's both terrifying and good that like rarely do you experience that in the water and then in the water with this like blowhole sound <laughs> that's crazy yeah now if it was a shark it'd be a difference it'd just be terrifying i right? saw uh uh great white breach the other day at um sunset point no way and i had read that they were at this spot that i really like when you were surfing yeah and i and this guy next to me i saw i was like i wonder if what i saw i just saw so i look over at the guy next to me and he's like did you see that i was like yeah and he's like i had heard there were great whites out here you stayed of course oh my gosh all the other people, you know, if you want to paddle in, that's fine. It's just more waves for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, what is it? What are the biggest lessons you've learned in the last, I guess, six months? Since you've been doing this pretty much daily, I know we, we had a conversation. Where oh, right, like, right, you're right. Going right. there like all day until like a certain time, and you're not. No oh, phone. yeah, yeah. You just kind of like take your journal. You're, yeah, yeah. What's the big lessons you've learned about 
doing this every single day as opposed to just jumping in kind of like the rat race of like be on your phone oh, right. and like working all day. And yeah, last year I finished a, t- a world tour mm-hmm. end of November and I was kind of cooked. Yeah. I'd been to a lot of cities and so I needed like, okay, I need to like reset the whole thing. So I was like, okay, first thing I'm going to try to do is each day I'm not going to enter Screenland till late in the day. So I just named it Screenland. Um, and I'm going to work with, pe- I'm going to take pen and paper with me mm. and I'm going to just listen because my work is creating things. I make things and then share them. And then there comes this end of a season when I have to like cook it all up again and I have to stop talking. Um, so that was probably the end of November. I started, I would spend the first part of the day in silence. I'd go surfing and then I would just sit with pen and just note what was going on inside of me. And I wouldn't check any phone or email till like after 4 p.m. Really? And so you get up, you go to the beach. By the way, when you do this, email takes you a tenth of the time. Because one of the things about email is you're like, I don't know, should I do this? Should I not do this? What's this go to? When, when you have spent the first part of the day simply listening to who you are and what's happening, there are all these things that are coming at you that you're burning all this energy trying to figure out. But when you're coming from a different place, you're like, oh, of course I do that. Or no. And how many things come our way that are no's, but we're not at full power, strength, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. clarity. Yes. And so how many, how many times you'll like sit on it and then you'll sort of... Ah, a lot. And then, and then you're like, you realize later you said yes because you don't want... you the person to think less of you, you want them to like you. And then you regret doing it when the time comes, you have to do something. And then you're, you're like, doing ah, it, you're like, why, why is this? This is because oh, last February I was tired on a Thursday and I said yes. <laughs> so as I began to think through, as I began to think through, oh, the, the more time I spend away from Screenland, when I do enter Screenland, I'm able to see Screenland for what it is. Um, and I'm not, that's not my path. I'm not to do that. And letting that person down is the only path forward. So let's just let them down. <laughs> right. And I also was struck that it wasn't like we went a couple of weeks and then it was like, oh, good. I'm rested. Let's go back at it. The, the interior is infinite. See, for many people, the universe, does it just go on forever? Does it just push on forever? Could you just travel if you had a ship and you could just go and go and go? Um, so exteriors were comfortable with the idea of that it's infinite or maybe there's a door that Jim Carrey goes through at the very end. Right. Um, but interiors are infinite. Wow. So, and you'd find this fascinating because you do speaking. Yeah. It got like December, January on a random day in January sitting there. I would remember some event the previous July where I was standing in line after doing an event and somebody plugged in, you know, and, and, wanted something or took something or you know let me feeling when when people want a piece of you Mm -hmm. and i would become aware of it oh that was actually a deeply draining troubling interaction but in the moment we got to keep going here we go and i didn't spend time thinking about what that was right and that's in there it's like we store they talk about a pain body Mm. we store all these experiences we have and we're carrying them around. No wonder a relationship can be hard to sustain. This person isn't even aware of the stuff they're carrying around. 
And this other person has got a world of wound, desire, pain, hurt, loss. And then they're trying to connect when we often aren't even connected with what's happening inside of ourselves. Mm. Yeah, and that's what's... So now I'm like four or five months in. Still going. Every day. And now my day is completely backwards from what it used to be. I used to wake up, turn on the email, and then it's like, here we go. And now I'm like, it'll be there. It'll be there when we get to it. And what's the big thing you've learned about this journey? Most emergencies aren't. Mm -hmm. And... You feel more productive than... Oh, wait. Oh, 10 times more. Wow. And that you taking good care of yourself, which is not rocket science, is the best way that you serve others. And how you just start giving little pieces of yourself away and then wonder why you feel like a shell. Uh, And it feels selfish and it feels counterintuitive and it feels like, oh, you're just... But it's actually the best way that you give yourself to the world Mm. is you begin by whatever practices, habits, routines, rituals actually hold you together. Wow. Yeah. That's the thing right there. Sounds nice for you, but most... Man, yeah, I'm probably thinking right. like, oh, my wife would never let me do that. You know, let's just go to the beach for Yeah, what's interesting about your Yeah, I'm not really at the beach every day. Um <laughs> but I would begin right. with your wife does want you fully alive. Mm. And she does want you at your best. Right. So let's start there. Yeah. That might look different. You also obviously have, you know, resources now and flexibility and freedom with what you've created for the last twenty years in your life. So you have those options. But Yeah, but I don't I don't spend any more, like surfing, I don't spend any more time surfing than most people would surf, spend going to the gym or something. Right. Um, and like my wife went back to graduate school. That's so right. um, our eight-year-old and then our 16-year-old and 18-year-old, I like st- step into some Mr. Momming. But even then, I get more done than I used to simply because. You're taking care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which and, and that's been a long, sl- slow evolving, just learning how to be at be at the best so that we can do when you do yeah if there was a if you were the author of a new book called the bible of today <laughs> right and the, all the writers of these poems and le- letters and lectures and stories said rob we want there to be a new bible and we want you to write it <laughs> and we want you to do your best. Obviously, this is your interpretation, but we feel like you have the keys to the kingdom to be able to write something that would help a lot of people in this world, no matter what religion, what they believe, what they don't believe, but this would be the new Bible. What do you think you would cover? What would I cover? Yeah, what would you write uh, about? What would you cover? How long would it be to get the message across? And what would you want really people to feel at the end of reading this? That is a fantastic story. Um, I would go to the poorest places in the world and interview people. What do you want? Mm. What do you need? What burns in your heart? I'd start there. I'd start with those who the system isn't working and feel left out and at the edges. I would always, you always go, you go looking for the divine, you start there. And then I would interview scientists Mm -hmm. and artists, and then I would go interview farmers about the earth. I would interview people. Um, What do you see? 
What has been your experience? Tell me about your pain. Tell me what helps. Hmm. Tell me about your wounds. Tell me about your healing. Yeah, I would not write it as an abstract. I can't believe I even bought into your premise. I just realized I, I actually took your question seriously. Any guy who takes your question seriously should be questioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would begin not with, with abstract intellectual ideas. I would begin with sweat and blood and wealth and poverty and strength and weakness. I'd begin there. I'd read that yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I'd start. And and I would edit it together in such a way that you might, in reading those stories, think, something's going on here. Mm. Something's going on here that I could be a part of. That's how I do it. Mm. When are you going to start writing it? <laughs> <laughs> That seriously, no one has ever asked a question like that. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. That's a bizarre one. I can't believe I. I think went it'd be a powerful it. book. <laughs> Actually, probably think it would all be. my books are at some level me trying to answer that question. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this interesting line in the. I point to this, but there's this interesting line where Jesus says, "You'll do greater things than these," and mm. it always strikes me. I wonder, <laughs> like if if uh, if there was some. If there was a Jesus who came back, I wonder if he'd be like, why are you guys still talking about me? Hmm. Like, my whole point was that you'd go out and do it. I actually think some of the Bible writers would be like, why do you keep repeating me? Why do you, I'm, thanks, fair play, appreciate it. (laughs) But the goal was that you would carry the story forward. Mm -hmm. And help the people in your time and your day, yeah. Right, right. The goal would be that you would learn what you could from what we went through, but Mm -hmm. then new metaphors, new images. Like, for example, artificial intelligence. This already you have people saying, hey, hey, wait a second. Not all progress is progress. This could come with all sorts of things attached to it that we might be really wise to just watch carefully. Well, this is new technology. This is new fire. So how will it be used? What will it do? What will it say about what it means to be human? Um, These are all the very questions that we're asking now, which I mean, they're talking about iron. They're talking about stepping out of a cycle of despair. All, it's all the same sorts of questions. Yeah, uh, A few questions left for you, but I want to make sure you guys go get this book, What is the Bible? How an Ancient Library of Poems, Letters, and Stories Can Transform the Way You Think and Feel About Everything. You can go get it at robbell.com, or you can go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere else the books are sold. I don't think I asked you this question on the last time, so I'm going to ask it to you here, and this is called The Three Truths. Oh, wow, okay. I don't think I asked you this one before. No. Because I started asking, I think, after you came on. You've written how many books now? This is like the 10th or 11th. 10th or 11th. Who's counting? Three New York Times bestsellers. Tours, speaking everywhere, on tour with Oprah, all that's good stuff. Documentaries. Uh, this is, let's say, 100 years is the last day for you, right? You live for another 100 years plus whatever, as long as you want to live. And you achieve everything that you set out to do. All your dreams, you create it, you do whatever you want. You make it come true. But for whatever reason, all your work is erased, and it's not available for people to learn or read or watch anymore. But you have a piece of paper and a pen, and you get to write down three truths, the three things you know to be true, the lessons that you would pass on to the people after you're gone. For the whole world, this is all they see, these three lines or lessons. What would your three truths be? Well, the, the first truth would be use the fine china. Because when Kristen and I were married, and you have to register, this is like 25 years ago, whatever, 
you, I learned that you register for two different kinds of plates. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's the everyday plates, and then other, and I was just watching this as a dude who couldn't care less about any of this, and then you register for this fine china, and the fine china is basically these boxes of really nice plates that you haul around from apartment to apartment that you use once or twice a year. And yeah. when you do use them, like, don't break them, take good care of them. And when I went through a bad burnout a number of years ago, like crashed, hit the wall, didn't know if I could work again, I sort of started to get back on my feet. I started serving my boys breakfast on the fine china because we only have today. So we're going to use the fine china because we're feasting because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. So the first thing I'd say is mm-hmm. uh, use the fine china. Second thing I would say is um, forgive everybody for everything. And that doesn't mean condone what they did. It doesn't mean brush it under the rug. It just means you have to take part in a larger flow of forgiveness because you hold on to any of that bitterness for anything anybody has done to you and it will eat you alive. You will drink rat poison and then wonder why the rat isn't dying. Um, So forgive, forgive, forgive. And then uh, the third thing I would write down is everything is spiritual. It's all connected. It has infinite depth. Um, and don't ever think that all of this isn't related to every other part of it. Everything is spiritual. And that's where the wonder and the awe and the mojo and the juice and the joy comes from. Mm. Those are three things. Those are powerful. There you I go. like those. Is there a question that you've uh, always wanted someone to ask you that they never have? Is it? Um, no, I don't think about interviews. I'm more interested in what you want to talk about. I never come into an interview with an agenda or assumptions. But you wish, is there a question you wish people would ask you more about that there doesn't have to be? I'm just um, curious. No, I don't, maybe I just don't know. Mm. And if you had to have a tattoo on your he- your forehead in reverse that only you could see if you're in the mirror, <laughs> <laughs> what would that word or phrase be? Uh, yeah, I would um, have grace and peace because these two polarities, grace and peace. Grace is it's all a gift, and peace is so in response to that, go help increase the peace in the world. Hmm. Okay. One's about awareness, one's about action, one's about doing nothing, one's about doing whatever you can. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll look for that tattoo in the future. <laughs> One final question before I ask. I want to acknowledge you, Rob, for your your childlike curiosity and play and joy. I think the thing I love about you the most is that you always have, you find wonder in every little thing throughout <laughs> the day. Whenever we're hanging out, there's always yeah. like something interesting. Like We're cooking something. Yeah, it's always like you're just fascinated <laughs> yeah. by things. Yeah, I am. By everything. That's true. How it works, how it moves, an idea, a possibility, and you bring it with like love and joy and passion and childlike wonder. And I think... Most people that I interact with uh, who get older don't have that childlike wonder. And I think that's what brings the most like love in the world is this childlike mm. curiosity and trust and questioning and connection. So I want to acknowledge you for that and your Thank you. your ability to recognize also when you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself and staying consistent with that because you're right. I don't think you have such a big heart and this mind of wisdom that could help so many people. And you making sure you're taking care of yourself 
is so powerful because you're helping more people in that process as opposed to being burnt out. So I acknowledge you for taking a step to the side to take care of yourself so you can help more people. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Final question is what's your definition of greatness? Greatness is when you leave the room and the people in the room have more hope than when you entered. Rob Bell. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Oh, snap. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. Rob, again, is one of my favorite people in the world and so fascinating the way he shares stories and his experience and knowledge and wisdom, and I just love it. Every time I'm around him, I just feel like a better human being. So if you enjoyed this, then make sure to share it out, lewishouse.com slash 484, and tag me, at Lewis Howes, and tag Rob Bell on Twitter and Instagram stories, and let us know what you thought of this one. I want to connect with you more on social media, so tag me, at Lewis Howes. I love you guys very much. You were given such incredible gifts on this planet. You were born with unique gifts, and you can develop any talent that you want. It's your opportunity to make the most of every single day. Don't waste a second. Continue to stay committed to your vision. Stay focused on your vision. Eliminate negative thoughts and negative people in your life and be the light that others need to rid the darkness from within them. I love you guys very much, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.